This is Cheryl Richardson and welcome to my Facebook Live. Um, I'm signing on just two minutes early because I just went to check to see exactly when the equinox hits, when the moment that it is the first day of spring or the first moment of spring and it's 558 Eastern. So it's like right now or it was right now, a minute ago. <laughs> and um, I thought it's, it's amazing to me that uh, without even realizing it, I would schedule this Facebook Live on one of my very favorite days of the year. I love spring. I love the first day of spring. There's a whole bunch of red-winged blackbirds at the bird feeder and it's light out. It's, you know, six o'clock here and it's, um, yeah, I'm looking outside at the fields and it's still light out. There's this sort of beautiful golden light um, cast along the fields and the trees and it's, um, it's spring and it just makes me happy. It makes me start thinking about, you know, gardens and wildlife and all these sorts of things. So I wanted to just come on and say happy spring right at the moment of the equinox hitting. Um, hi, Kath. Welcome to you and Deborah. Hi, Ellen and Kathy and Teresa and Deborah and Lisa. Welcome to you. I'm glad you're here. Hi, Joel. Yes, I know. Happy Equinox. Exactly. Um, Sheila, hi. Welcome to you and Chris and Carmen um, and Rachel, uh, Mary Ellen and Deborah and Jackie. Welcome. I'm so glad you're all here with me. And um, you know, I, I didn't realize it was like right at spring until we started here. And so I thought what I would do is um, just read you a little excerpt out of Waking Up in Winter because it's a journal entry that I wrote on the first day of spring back when I was keeping this journal. And as I was reading through it, I thought, yeah, it really does capture how I feel in this moment and what I look forward to and why I love the first day of spring. And also it captures what I learned um, about living through, uh, lingering in limbo, living through a period in my life where I knew what I no longer wanted, but I didn't know what was coming. And it's sort of like, what do you do when you're on the threshold of a new beginning? You know that there's gonna be a new beginning. You have no idea when it's gonna show up and you have no idea what it's gonna be, right? It's a very, uh, midlife can be like that. You know, we can get really clear about the things we no longer want in our lives and and make space, but not be very sure or clear about what's going to fill that space, which to me now is exciting. Back then it was terrifying. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to read you this excerpt before we get chatting here and uh, before I do some coaching and support you in whatever way I can. Uh, so it was on March 20th as well, during this time that I kept this journal. It says, I woke to gray skies hanging low over the reservoir this morning, but that can't dampen my mood. It's the first day of spring and I couldn't be happier. As I walk around the house, looking out at the bare magnolia tree that will be one of the first to bloom, I feel my body smile. Spring opens a doorway to possibility. There's a deck garden to plan birdhouses to clear, and the anticipation of a gangly, delicate fawn emerging from the fields, cautiously stepping into new life. I can feel myself releasing some of the fear of the unknown, the inner turmoil, the angst of lingering in limbo. I'm ready to cull the wisdom of winter in order to set the stage for new beginnings that lie ahead. 
As I read back over these pages, I'm glad I took the time to record this period in my life. Writing not only works to stem the tide of forgetting, but it also offers me the clarity that only hindsight can deliver. And this is what um, I learn, part of what I learn as I go through this period of winter. That's why the book is called Waking Up in Winter. In these pages, I see a woman moving as if through a fog, groping for something solid to hold on to as she navigates an unfamiliar season, the autumn of life. This is the time of reflection, a time to harvest life experiences, lessons learned, and the wisdom gained from both success and failure. In some ways, I've taken on the classic hero's journey, or heroine's journey in this case. The voyage begins with the call for something more, something deeper and more aligned with who we really are. It's often the midlife calling. This beckons us down, 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 descending into unknown places where what we've always done no longer works. Once here, we are released into the mystery and here we remain, not knowing why or for how long. That's the kind of lingering in limbo, right? If we heed the call and hold on through the darkness, the ascent begins. And that's where I find myself now. There's a metamorphosis underway. And while I'm not sure who or what will emerge from the chrysalis, here's what I do know. And these are some important life lessons that I figured out. And um, I hope that they're helpful to you too. Sometimes the best way to discover what really matters is to release what doesn't and see what's left behind. Now that releasing what doesn't could be clutter. It could be old clothes. It could be um, relationships that are sort of, that you've, grown away from or you know people that have grown away from you gone in two different directions it could just be releasing the job that you've wanted to get rid of for a while or patterns of behavior over giving people pleasing um feeling resentful like you know sometimes they're internal patterns that we want to release but a lot of times when we release the old we make way we make space for something new to be born doesn't mean it's going to show up right away and hopefully it doesn't because you want it to be born from a deeper, more soulful place rather than um, an intellectual like, oh gosh, I just retired. Now how am I going to fill my time? The soul doesn't want to do that. The soul wants to experience life and just be present. Um, here's what else I do know. I can't live a new life with an old version of me. In order to live consciously and to keep growing, I must be willing to dismantle some aspects of the identity that has brought me to this point in my life without knowing who or what will take its place. This is the other thing I've, you've probably heard me speak about this before. I talk about it a lot these days where when we reach midlife, we have such well-developed, overdeveloped parts of us that get expressed day in and day out, habituated ways of being and habitual habitual places to go and the identity, the ego, that who we are, um, is very well developed. And by the time we reach midlife, we realize if I want to live more deeply or more richly, or if I really want to enjoy the next stage of my life, I have to be willing to let go. So if I'm an overgiver, for example, if I'm a people pleaser, I have to be willing to dismantle that identity and become more selfish, more self-caring, um, if I'm somebody who's been um, an achiever, 
always going, going, and, you know, on to the next best thing, setting goals. And there may be a contemplative that lives within you that wants to be expressed. And you may need to start dismantling the overdeveloped parts of you that are going to rob you of the richness that comes from being present to your life. Now, there's a whole process that we go through when we start to let go or dismantle these old identities. There's grieving, there's confusion, there's unsettledness, there's questioning, there's fear. There's a lot of those kinds of things that go on. And if you can get support and hang on through that and work through it, whether it's in therapy, in a support group, with a coach, depending on what you're working on, um, if you can work through it, then you allow other parts of you that are already in there, energy that wants to be expressed, you allow those, those parts of you to begin to have space in your life, to have presence in your life. Um, the other thing I know for sure, I must tend to my inner life like I do my garden with consistent attention and loving care. My inner life must now be granted equal weight with my outer life. You know, the first half of my life, I was such an achiever. Writing books, out there speaking, doing media, working hard, coaching clients, building a business, go, 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 making things happen. And it was great. I am so, all the hard work paid off. I'm blessed with a really, um, just a sense of accomplishment and kind of, okay, you know what, if I died tomorrow, I would, be, um, I would be grateful for the life that I've lived and I would feel fulfilled, like I've accomplished something important, a lot of important things. Um, and at this point in life, all of the energy being focused out there, which is very common in the first half of life, now some of that energy needs to be pulled into here, in here where suddenly our inner lives take take more of a priority or they take they have they take up more space where you know walking by yourself spending time with yourself engaging in creative activities with yourself um, journaling going into therapy like doing different kinds of activities taking classes like just allowing yourself to really get to know yourself on a deeper level and putting the time aside for that to happen going to the gym I find I learned so much about myself, just working out hard at the gym, in my own being, trying to get through a workout, learning what my limits are, learning, learning how to move beyond limits that I thought were um, impenetrable, that I actually can move through. So um, tending to your inner life needs to become um, a greater priority, especially if you've had a very strong outer life. Um, I also noticed I must honor my soul's need for space. My version of a good life requires that I have the freedom and the openness in my schedule to cultivate a state of presence and to live more spontaneously. I find that spontaneity is much more important to me at this stage in my life. I want to be available to what shows up instead of pre-planning my life. My whole, the first half of my life was incredibly pre-planned. It is for a lot of us. I don't like making commitments to dates and appointments. I try to limit that so that I have free open space. My soul wants that, wants to meander. And, you know, I think about the beginning of waking up in winter. I was terrified of the whole notion of meandering, and now I long for it. 
puttering, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Just had time to kind of just not have live life without an agenda. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, the life, here's the, the final thing that I write about having learned at the end of waking up in winter, that journal, the life I've hungered for was waiting for me. I just needed to stop long enough to notice. It turns out that what matters most is what I already have. Um, a good husband, loving friends and family, the beauty in and around our home, the wildlife that fills me with such joy, and the peace and comfort to be found in a daily routine. As I emerge from this winter with a greater understanding of myself and of my needs, I do so with a grateful heart. I'm getting ready to free myself from the chrysalis and I'm excited to see what life has in store. That's the place that we arrive at when we get to sort of that first day of spring in our lives where we have gone through this process or we've gone through a period of questioning, letting go of the things that no longer work and being open to the new things that might, to the new beginnings. Let me drink so that I don't start coughing. Um, anyway, <coughs> I wonder about your spring. You know, what new beginnings are you gonna be celebrating? What have you learned as you've gone through this winter period if you're here where we are in the States? Um, well, if you're in this spring equinox hemisphere of the world. Um, I know some of you, some of my Australian friends are beginning your winter. Um, so you've come out of, uh, you're coming out of your summer actually. Anyway, um, I just want you to think about some of the things that I talked about in terms of, um, you know, letting go of some things in order to see what's left behind and dismantling the kind of, I don't know, the, the rusty, well-developed parts of you that maybe aren't bringing you that much joy and happiness anymore. Um, and looking around at your life, at the things that matter most already, the things that are already there for you right now, the people in your life that you love and that you feel loved by, the, um, just the moments of joy that you have, the little things, it really is, you know, that it really is the little things that can mean a lot. It's amazing, amazingly true. All right, happy spring. There you have it. We are, um, we are officially in spring here. So let's, um, let's see how I can help you. Uh, I'm, this is a time where you can post a question in the comments section. Make sure that you copy the question you put in. You may need to post it again. And um, I'm gonna just read through these. Um, Chris says, I'm clearing out clutter and it's have been since last week, it's so freeing. Yes, everybody's tidying up. <laughs> I've been doing that, it's been wonderful actually to, um, to just have space. I keep filling a bag. Um, I'm getting, I have to say, I'm getting, I'm getting pretty lean with this. With, my house is so much more decluttered than it's ever been that I can see the end point in in view like oh my gosh i can see where there'll be nothing else to declutter and then what's the project gonna be i don't know maybe it's just meandering puttering around let's see um yeah thank you sheila um thank you rachel i've just lived a lot of years my dear um 
Yeah, so Ginny says, I'm clearing up closets, how to let go of stuff. Um, I would recommend my sister Carrie's book, What Your Clutter is Trying to Tell You. It's a really great resource for looking at what you can't let go of, why you want to let go of it, and then how to let go of it. Um, I would check that out. And Terry, we can put that in the, um, I'll put that in the, uh, the a link to that in the resource section. Yes, pull out those weeds and plant new seeds, Stephanie says. I love that. Um, okay, let's see. Um, all right, so questions. Yes, Sheila, you're in a rural area, sweetheart. That's why it's going in and out. Um, okay. Hi, everybody. All right, hopefully you'll find me. <laughs> Here I am on the floor again, um, near the router, because uh, the connections, you know, this is what happens. I live in the country. I live... Um, in a small town and for some reason we don't always get really good cable so hopefully you all will find me <laughs> again yes i see some of you are starting to come in thank you um i'm glad you're here and so unfortunately i can't see the questions that you posted on the earlier uh facebook live the one i just did so if you have um if you could just redo your you know repost your questions that would be awesome and i'm going to look at them right here um, Shannon says, I have time and space in my life for the first time. Yay, Shannon. How did you decide, uh, oh, for the first time, how did you decide what writing project to begin and end? Um, you know, I didn't think of it as a writing project, Shannon. Um, when I was sort of going through that process, I ended up uh, just keeping a journal. And that might be a, a place to start. I just wanted to keep a journal about what I was experiencing and. Um, and uh, how I was feeling as I was going through this transition. So it could be anything. It could be, I mean, one year, my project, if you will, my writing project was just keeping a journal full of affirmations. I would make them up every day. And sometimes I'd repeat some, but I would just get in the habit of writing them down. Um, uh, for, uh, there was a certain period of time where instead of writing, I actually took photographs and I still do that a lot. I love taking photographs and so I would take pictures and um, that became a way that I journaled in a sense. Um, so I would say if you get quiet and maybe go for some walks, several walks in nature, just let life tell you how it wants to express itself through you, Shannon. What part of you wants to create and how does it want to create? Don't limit it by just thinking in terms of writing or a project. Think more in terms of, okay, what is it that wants to be expressed through me and how am I going to let that happen? Okay, hopefully that's helpful to you, my dear. Um, yeah, Chris is just, Chris is just writing um, about seeing a grief counselor related to losing an animal. So incredibly helpful. Um, so Deirdre says, how do I handle the disapproval, bleh, disapproval of siblings as I dismantle my people pleaser and create boundaries? Good question. So Deirdre, sometimes I tell people one of the best things you can do is go to family members ahead of time and let them know, listen, I've made a decision to dedicate the next six months of my life to my extreme self-care. And as a result, it means I'm going to be less available and I'm going to be saying no a lot more often than yes. I'm letting you know this ahead of time so that you don't take it personally. 
It's not about you. It's about me and my self-care and my need to set better boundaries in my life in general. So I actually have a life to live. Now, sometimes friends, siblings, whomever will be like, geez, I need to do the same thing. <laughs> you know, you're an inspiration. It's a good idea. Sometimes people get pissed because they're so used to you doing everything for them and suddenly you're not. But if you condition it ahead of time by letting them know what you're doing, that should, that should be helpful. If you have siblings that just don't like it or accept it or you know, want you to take care of them, whether you like it or not, you might need to take a break from them for a while. You might need to just take some space. I love you. I'm sorry that I can't be what you want me to be, but I can't. Sorry. And that's just how it's going to have to be. Um, yeah, Joanne says, is it normal to be confused after retiring from work? Which way to go? Absolutely normal, Joanne. I was just talking with someone about that this week who just retired, and he said to me, I'm trying to figure out what's next. I don't know what to do with myself. And I said to him, okay, this is the time for you to dedicate the next year of your life to your extreme self-care. Go to the gym, go for walks, get acupuncture, go to therapy. If you like, what are you going to do to just take really, really good care of yourself, to get to know yourself better, to, um, to just kind of take a long, giant exhale from all of the life that you've lived thus far and let the experiences sort of sift through you over the next several months. I think about it as like, think about it as like a long walk, like a walkabout. I've just retired. I've spent all these years working. And now I'm going to imagine a daily walk, either metaphorically, where I just let my life experiences sift through me and just see who's here when I'm not working, when I'm not busy, when I'm not going, going, going all the time. Who lives here inside of me? Who is she? What does she want? What does she need? What does she love? What does she hate? Like, who is she? It takes time to get to know who we are. That doesn't happen overnight. And so I think of it as this long, think of it as a year process, Joanne. This is not about you deciding which way to go. What's my next career? You know, how am I going to spend? No, 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 no. This is called Project U. <laughs> I'm going to get to know this incredible woman who's I've spent the first half of my life with. I really want to know her in the second half. I want this relationship to be a really special one. That's what I would recommend for you, darling. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Ginny says, I love your shirt. Look at this. Can I tell you, Ginny? This shirt was given to me as a gift by a woman who attended my Miraval retreat probably 12 years ago. She had it on one, one day, um, sitting in the front row of the workshop. And I said to her, oh my God, I love that shirt. This is a really special little story. I said to her, I love that shirt. There's something about it that's just so beautiful. It really speaks to me. It has like you can see it's got the designs on the sleeves too. And I can't, I can never tell with these cameras how to do it. And like great designs. There we go. That works. Look at that. Anyway, at the end of the retreat, when I was leaving Miraval, leaving Tucson, Arizona to go home, somebody had left a bag at the front desk. And this woman had washed her shirt, had, you know, had, had them clean the shirt, folded it up with a bow and gave it to me as a gift. You know, she had already left. It was so sweet. I felt, I felt, bad at first. And then I was like, wait a minute. She gave this out of the goodness of her heart. And I have kept it ever since. It's like, 
12 years old. It's so comfortable and I love it so much. And thank you for noticing, Ginny, because it's one of those, I just think of her every time. I wish I could remember her name. Um, and if you're on here, let me know who you are. I think of her every time I wear it and I just send her out love and blessings and a big thank you. A big thank you. Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, Lisa says, how to let go of anger, resentment towards my brother. In my head, I know it only hurts me. I need to forgive, but seems it's a daily issue. He hurts my mom, which hurts me. Okay. Well, I guess the first thing I'd say to you, Lisa, is I always like to think that, um, I mean, I feel like we come into this life with soul families. We've got like the perfect families. We have different arrangements to be worked out with each of them. I don't understand my brother's arrangement with my mother or my sister's arrangement with my father, um, that the souls are here to grow and evolve. So there's something going on between your mother and your brother that is between them. And um, so that's one piece. But it's not easy to see somebody hurt that we love. And so, um, you know, I would allow yourself to express your anger. Today I was talking to somebody who was talking about one of the ways he expresses his anger is he takes ice cubes out into the woods or near a stone wall in his yard and smashes ice cubes against the stone wall. When we're angry, we've got to get the anger up and out of our bodies, not directed at the person. We don't want to be cruel and not directed at the person we're angry at. Um, but we want to move the energy out of our body. And so you want, don't, you can't jump from anger through, oh, I want to be a good person, I'm going to forgive, and now I'm going to love him. It doesn't work that way. You've got to feel the feelings and work through it. You might want to work with a therapist if you need to. Um, you know, if it's been a long, ongoing thing and it sort of stays with you and you feel like it's disrupting your life, you might need some support to work through that for sure. Uh, but you are entitled to your anger. On the other side of that anger is your power. And so you don't want to sit on your anger. You don't want to shame yourself about it. You don't want to um, ignore it or deny it or eat food to stuff it. Um, you want to move it out of your body and you want to get some support for, um, for recognizing, you know, get some support around working through the issue with your brother. That's what I would recommend. Um, and I'm looking, my signal is weak. I'm going to wrap up pretty soon just because I'm afraid I'm going to lose you again and it's going to be nuts. Um, so let's see, let's see here. Okay. Um, Colleen says, what do you recommend for people like me who are dealing with chronic illnesses and doctors and friends who do not understand these conditions? Um, some say they're not even real. Well, I would say, first of all, we know they're real, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. I would be meeting with a naturopath or naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doc, um, there's some really great ways to treat those chronic illnesses. Um, not easy necessarily because it could mean dramatic change to your diet can have a dramatic impact on the body in two weeks, just two weeks. So um, I would be worried more about getting the right treatment and not giving in and saying, oh, I'm like destined to just have chronic fatigue forever or fibromyalgia but really getting whole person support from a functional medicine doc or a naturopath so that you can heal. And, um, and then as you do, you'll be less concerned. I mean, 
you want to be less concerned with what other people think, but it's tough. You're not seeing the right doctors. If they're telling you it's not real, you're just not seeing the right doctors, number one. And then friends, um, you don't need them to verify your chronic illness. You just need them to love you. And you can tell them that. You know what? I don't need you to believe me one way or the other, but I need you to love and support me. If you can't do that, then we got to talk about our friendship or our relationship here because you deserve that kind of support. You just do. So, um, yeah, those are some of the kinds of honest conversations you're going to want to have. That's what we have to do. Um, let's see. Um, so Trudy says, at 45, I've decided it's time to heal my inner self. I started working with my chakras, Reiki, meditation, and essential oils. Great. And doing any kind of therapy, somatic therapy work that involves the body and, you know, your emotional state is also really important, Trudy. I don't believe we can heal and grow by ourselves. I just don't. I think we need each other. And I think we often need the support of professionals who have been growing and healing themselves and are sort of shepherds or stewards on that journey. So um, I would include some of that in your plan to, and by the way, your inner self doesn't need healing. Your inner self, capital I, capital S, is just beautiful. Um, it's all the stuff that gets in the way and gets built around our inner wise self that gets us into trouble. And that's where good therapy can come in, can be very, very helpful. Um, okay, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to stop there because I'm afraid I'm going to lose you. Let me just say happy first day of spring again. Here we are, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, it's not light enough for me to show you outside, but it's just, it's just a perfect, perfect first day of spring. I'm so glad to share it with you. I'm so glad to be able to sign on right at the moment of the equinox. Um, I appreciate you being here with me. I really do. And um, I will look forward to the next time, next week. Probably, yeah, next week. I'll look forward to seeing you then. All right. Thank you, everybody. Remember, there'll be two videos here for you to watch. All right. Take good care. Bye.